everyone. Welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. It's Shelby, and today I'm sitting down with Hillary Brand, who is the founder of My Brand Lashes and also the source of inspiration for so many artists in this industry, especially ones who have been on the show. If you are a listener already, I know you've heard of her, and so I'm so excited that she agreed to do an interview. I think in this 30-minute episode, we really do capture what makes her so different and unique when it comes to her approach on training and mentorship and just how she looks at things. You guys will see what I mean when you start listening, but I hope you enjoy it and make sure to let us know if you're listening. Just tag Lash Boss Radio and My Brand Lashes on Instagram. And without further ado, here is Hillary. All right, Hillary, well, welcome to the show finally. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're actually mentioned in a lot of episodes and people, I guess, bring you up when I ask about someone that inspired them or mentored them like in their last journey. So I've always really wanted to have you on. So can you tell us about how you got your start in the industry? Sure. My husband actually was in school when I started doing lashes. It it was really a means to an end. Mm hmm. I took my first lash class in hair school in 2003, and I really liked it. Uh, It was really secretive, as I'm sure you can imagine in the lash industry, how Mm -hmm. people love to hold their secrets really close to their chest. And I went on, I finished my cosmetology license, and I did do some lashes, but not as much as I wanted to, because really there were no resources. And, you know, there was a world before Instagram and Facebook and that was it. Mm -hmm. And, um, my husband went to school and we went through the most broke time in life. I remember we had to choose between $30 for food or $30 for gas. And it was, I think everyone should really go through that. I really do. If, if you're willing to grow together, that's one of the most strengthening times you can, you can give yourself and your, your partner. Uh, So I look Mm -hmm. back and I'm really grateful for it. And uh, I had just barely had my first baby and it really got to the point where it was even worse because the recession had happened. My husband was in school. Hair was really one of those things that people were like, I'll just do this later. Like I'm going to cut it out of my expenses. And I thought, well, how about, I start doing lashes. Now, lashes are a luxury item. I can even hear the audible, like, oh, (laughs) why would you choose lashes when people are putting hair off? But I don't know, it felt sort of inspired to do that. And so what I did, I did not have money for a kit and I did have the knowledge that I had, but it wasn't enough to really feel confident in opening a salon and trying to have a million clients. Mm -hmm. But instead I grabbed five people who were willing to invest in me and who already loved my, my work as a hairstylist and everyone has one, right? Like everyone's got one of those people that like, no matter what you do, they've got your back. And mm-hmm. I decided to gather five people. I had them invest in my first lash kit since hair school. And I promised them if they would let me practice on them and then tell people about my lashes, that they would have lashes for free for the rest of their lives. And wow. yeah, it was I mean, where, I don't even know where I got that idea really, but it worked. And, uh, at first I started very slow. I started with house calls and I do not recommend that by the way, please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember 
having people coming in and out of my house and sort of learning the ropes of running a business while perfecting the lash part of my journey. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing was is that I thought maybe I would be busy-ish, but the secret to having those people was that they not only believed in me, but they told people about me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really expect that. I just kind of wanted to get good at what I was doing on a smaller scale. But all of a sudden I was getting extra calls and referrals like, hey, Chris recommended you, Shauna recommended you, uh, do you have time for lashes? And it showed me a couple of things. One, that if you do a good job, you're going to tell people about you. And two, if there's, there's always more than what you think there is. There's always more business than what you think is available to you. Now, remember, Mm -hmm. we were at the very bottom of the bubble, the recession, there it is. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. everyone around me, at least at first glance, didn't even have enough money to do hair. So, but all of a sudden, these people were coming out of woodwork to get their lashes done. And years later, I read that women, even during the Great Depression, were saving money for things like lipstick, even though they barely had Mm -hmm. food on their table or even at all. And so there was something to the beauty industry that really called to me in that there's a lot of abundance here, even when things are hard. Um, So that was the beginning of my journey. And then time went on. I built a salon. I had people working for me. Uh, Really great life lessons built there. And I enjoyed that part of it. But I also realized I didn't enjoy babysitting people. Like I didn't like Um, making sure that other people's books were full. I didn't like having to Mm. manage employees. I realized I like working on my own and I like Mm -hmm. being the boss of my own schedule, but I don't like being the boss of other people's schedule. And Mm -hmm. when I mentor people, one of the things I hear a lot is, I don't know how to keep my employees happy and me happy or in a different way. I don't know how to keep everyone happy. Mm -hmm. And it is a real struggle in the lash industry because first of all, women have only really been in the workplace for the last 60 years. Mm -hmm. Before that, we were barefoot and pregnant and there were the few exceptions, but there were not that many. And now women are coming into the workplace like crazy, but we're bringing these really unique talents and gifts we're very generous, we're very creative, we're very smart, we're very educated. We're, we're, we believe in ourselves to start our own businesses, but we lack in boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that is a big part of what I personally wanted to discover when I went to school to learn how to effectively help men and women speak to each other in a language that they can understand each other in. You know, I've heard people say things like, well, she's, he's speaking Manglish. Why doesn't he say what he feels? And on the other side of it, I've heard men say, she says everything, but what's, she won't get to the point. And so Mm. it causes confusion. And when women get into the work industry, we actually turn into more of a hunting mode version of ourselves. We want to know what the point is. We want to know how we can be most effective. We want to produce results and we do. And that is part of one of the beautiful things of being a woman is that we can switch from someone who wants to hear everything about you and every detail you um, have to share. We want to be in your life. We want to be your friend. 
But then we have this other side that's business mode. And we're all about being successful, being able to produce results, being able to grow and grow and grow. And one of the struggles in the industry I'm noticing is that women don't know when they're in that hunting mode or, or business mode and when they're in friend mode or gathering mode. And it mm. causes rifts in the industry. It causes rifts in your business. It causes rifts in your personal life. And that's why we see people get upset when actually this is funny. I, you know, the Instagram lash funnies. She yeah. posted a, a post the other day and it was like, hello, what are your prices? And the response was like, uh, hi, how are you? And there was no connection before the transaction was intended to happen. And mm -hmm. women get really offended by that if we're caught off the wrong mode. So for example, if you are in the mode of like, let's get this podcast down, let's get to the bottom line. And I'm in the mode of really wanting to connect with you. We're going to run into mm -hmm. some differences. You'll be frustrated because I'm wasting time. And I'll be frustrated because I don't think that you care about me. And right. the thing is, is, you're not doing anything wrong and neither am I. The failure is that we don't recognize each other's modes. And so there's not a lot right. of human spirit that comes out and kindness or compassion, right? Like I can have compassion for your mode and I can speed things up a little. Or on the other side, mm -hmm. you could go, oh, she's wanting to connect. Well, my mom is doing great or my, <laughs> my family is doing great and kind of throw them a bone mm -hmm. for that. Uh, but so for those short wow. texts, uh, when we get those modes, it's like, how much are your pricing? Yes, she is sort of foregoing some of the etiquette in which you just have natural conversations. Mm -hmm. But it is easier to offer compassion when you realize, oh, she's in hunting mode and she's wanting, what's the point? What's the problem? And mm -hmm. can you solve it for me? And we become very, very efficient in that mode. We don't care about the details and we're usually up against some kind of a deadline. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's something in the last week or so I've really been thinking about is a lot of artists lately have been, it's almost like, you know, I was talking to one of my friends in the industry about this too. Artists in the industry kind of treat clients as though the client should be lucky that we're even giving them the time of day type of thing. And it's like, you know what, like this person is, is paying you and you're still in the customer service industry. And for some reason, it doesn't bother me when I get emails about like, they're just very bland and say like, what do you charge or DMs about it? Even though like our website is in the bio of our Instagram that they're messaging us on. And I never really internally get upset about it. I'm just like, hi, here's a link to our prices and just leave it at that. But I don't know if it's because I'm not so much in this like scarcity mindset. I don't like we have a ton of clients, so I'm not upset mm -hmm. if like some of those clients just aren't for us, if they're just like shopping on price and stuff. And it just doesn't bother me. But I've been noticing a lot of times some lash artists will post like either a conversation or like a fake conversation. Like this is what I wish I could say to a client. And I don't know. It's it kind of rubs me the wrong way to see some people really treating some clients so bad or firing a client or encouraging artists to be mean to a client or disrespect a client or applauding them for being disrespectful to a client. Yeah, no, I think that I don't think we ever should be cruel to each other. 
I think that mm-hmm. it says a lot about us when we react in a way that would like, have you ever seen a, a little chihuahua like barking at you, just like it's going to eat through the door. If it could just get to you, it would just completely destroy you. That's mm-hmm. what I feel like when we kind of do these mean responses in text or even over email, it's, it's almost like we have this door that we can't get through so we can say whatever we want. Yeah. And that part, I think, has been sort of bred into us through social media and through text messaging and through email because mm-hmm. there's nothing holding us accountable. It's like we have the logic, but we forget the emotion because we don't see the the effect of what those words would do to someone's face or their body language yeah. slumping over. We don't see that maybe the person quickly texting maybe in between picking up kids from school and going to a doctor's appointment they don't want to go to, right? Something that they needed on the checklist to be done, but have no other time to be able to say, by the way, thank you so much for responding and thank you in advance and thank you, thank you, thank you. Like sometimes in the customer service industry, it's a thankless job. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can bring that understanding to the industry, we also could grow in such a diplomatic and sort of queenly way to be those those queens that we actually want to be you know you you see memes like that all the time put on your queen crown and just straighten it up and handle it but like what is Mm -hmm. that queen crown like how do queens really treat people they don't Mm -hmm. they don't ghost them they don't give one word answers they hold their space they don't let things walk all over them but they also treat the other person with the utmost respect yeah and I, I noticed that a lot of times if I'm talking to someone on the phone or in person, the client's a lot more like we're on the same page than sometimes over email. If we happen to have like an unhappy client or something, we we send surveys after their appointment. They're able to rate their service. And if it was like not perfect, I reach out to them, you know, and sometimes they're a little harsh. And then if I can get them on the phone or when I see them in person the next time, mm-hmm. they're so different. They're so nice. They're they're even complimenting other aspects and just saying like, it was just like, I I wish they were a little longer or something like that. And it's like, I think that also is the same thing that you're, you're referring to is just, we have these different modes and it it's harder to, to be mean to someone or not have compassion for someone when you're in front of their face. And it's so much easier to be more harsh whenever it's like on your phone or through email. Um, that's why I really don't like to handle things over email. Sometimes if it's an unhappy client, I really, really like to just say like, Hey, like, let me make this right. Is there a time that we can get on the phone today? And nine times out of 10, they are able to do the phone call and it's perfect after that. And so I don't know. Yeah. I really, really like that you brought that up. Where did you, where did you pick all of that up from? Like, was it just trial and error? Have you always been this way? I've always been fascinated with how people behave with each other. And my favorite mm-hmm. question is why? Like, why did that happen? Yeah. Because I don't like to not understand something. And even if I royally F it up, I do go back and dissect it later and go, what was my part here? How can I be better next time? Can I even fix it mm-hmm. this time? But I don't know. That was something that my dad gave me. Like he always said, but what was your part in this? And I'm so grateful now to know that because I don't feel like I'm entitled to always have what I want. I always know that there's something, if it didn't work out, I probably had some responsibility in it. Sure. And it goes for the positive way too. When things do work out, yeah, I had this part in it. So remember that so that you can do it well next time. Mm-hmm. And then I I got into, um, it's called a PAX communications program, 
where I became certified in teaching men and women how to communicate with each other. And yes, it's possible. But I, what I was interested in initially was how to communicate well with men. First of all, I have my husband. We've been married for 13 years now. And then I have two little boys. But the problem was I grew up with nine sisters and a mom. And mm. I didn't know how to communicate with boys. So I really wanted to teach myself how to do that. And I thought that that part would be hard. But then when I went through my certification program and understanding women, no, that was hard. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was the part where it was like, oh my gosh, that's why she said one thing and did another thing. Mm-hmm. That's why she wasn't happy, even though I offered my best. And I mean, I could talk for days about this, but women are terrible at communicating, even though we say lots of words and we're terrible at receiving. And that's a disaster just waiting to happen if you are not clear about what you're offering what you're willing to give, what you're not willing to give, and what do they need in order to get what they need from you. So does this kind of translate into like when a client comes in and her expectations aren't met and she's upset about something like that's a lot of like the lash artist doing. Is this kind of what you're like, do you talk about this in your classes too? Like about communication with clients? Yes, big time. And clients will always have an expectation of what that's going to look like when she walks away. You know, if she felt like she was going to leave with Kim Kardashian eyes and a thigh gap, then we have really lost <laughs> our, our words yeah. and we need to do it better. Now, I know people who aren't even willing to do a consultation more than maybe five to 10 minutes. And that's mm-hmm. dangerous. We need to make room for that consultation. What are your expectations? Mm-hmm. And before I moved back to Utah, I was working in Vegas. The majority of my clientele were postmenopause. And for some of you new lash artists out there, Postmenopause means you have very few lashes to work with. They're very thin, uh, drier, more crepey skin, so more prone to allergies. And I'm often dealing with glasses. And so you don't get a lot of options mm-hmm. in length. Mm-hmm. Now, they have the budget to be able to do lashes, which makes them appealing. But unless you speak the language of, I probably won't get you as full as you're expecting, but here are some things I can do for you. And there's an aspect that a lot forget about. And that is that I was much younger than those who were postmenopause. So even though it won't ever be said that someone older than you will have less respect for you, there is something internally there that if you were young enough for them to have changed your diaper, you may not know exactly what you're talking about. So you really Mm -hmm. have to prove yourself that you do know what you're talking about by saying, these are the risks. This is what I can provide. This is what I cannot provide. This is what you can expect. Right. That instills trust in those clients. And uh, we have quite the generation, young generation coming in, managing the lash industry, right? Like, I think it Mm -hmm. was Lux Uncut. She just turned 21. Like, blows me away. Happy birthday, girl, by the way. And well (laughs) done. You know, by 21, you're doing this phenomenal job. Yeah. But the things that some of these younger girls run into are that some of the clientele that is older, that actually has the money that will be loyal to you, that will refer you needs to know that you're not there to hustle them, that you are there to take care Mm -hmm. of them with the very limited time that they have left, that they want to really feel beautiful. Right. So I really quick, I want to circle back to how you're the type of person that likes to ask why I want to bring up a live video that you did on Instagram. And it was about 
that video that went viral where somebody put like two drops of adhesive or something like one was 24 hours old and then one was brand new and then she put water on it and you were like basically talking about like you guys we need to really question this because it's that's not accurate like that's not an accurate test and because we cleanse after an appointment or we allow our clients to go home and cleanse but it for so long I thought myself like we had to wait 24 hours just because I had heard that so many times. But then, you know, it started to come out little by little like, hey, like this is an outdated rule and cyanoacrylate actually works in this way. But there are so many people that were still pushing back. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I I love that it got the conversation going and that it went viral like it did. The why I really wanted to fix was that. I wasn't just dealing with trying to teach people how to clean lashes after the appointment. That's something that I've actually been talking about for a couple of years now, but it's, it's slowly coming out because people are hesitant to change and they don't want to lose the clientele. They don't want to try something new and then lose people's trust, which is totally fair. Absolutely. But it was actually a two part thing because I was also dealing with women who are developing allergies and Mm -hmm. One of the things that we're finding very, very effective is that if you are willing to wash the lashes after the appointment, the likelihood of your client to develop allergies is much less, much, much, much less. And what I wanted to show was that, yes, you might lose a client if you wash the lashes right after due to poor retention. If you did it wrong, yes, that might Mm -hmm. happen, but you could get them back. But what we can't get back are clients who have allergies because of us not knowing what we're doing. and hurting the lash world in a much different way. Now they're both tied together. It's always all connected. But when I did call it out, it wasn't to be malicious or to try to be right. Right. It was from an education standpoint. And there's another test just recently that came out and then it's been posted again, but it's about the contact lenses and how if you put two contact lenses out, put a drop of glue next to it, it's going to dry out you know, that's not an accurate test either. Mm -hmm. I worked with an ophthalmologist for a while. I know a fair amount about contacts and they're very, it's an intelligent design and it Mm -hmm. is actually kept as sort of a symbiotic relationship with the eyeball itself. So I would actually be more concerned about the eye being open than the glue Mm -hmm. being near the eye with a contact in it. And no one's talking about that. Mm -hmm. And that goes back down to technique put your gel pads on correct. Don't tape the eye open too much. And one that people never notice is sometimes they're opening the eye, even though the gel pad is perfectly placed and it's taped just right, but the tweezers are pushing the lower lid open. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are all things that we're just not paying attention to when we're blaming things like contact lenses or washing after 24 mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. And it's just after this short amount of time that I've just talk to you, I realize why so many people rave about taking your classes or talk about you being a mentor because mm. you approach things in such a different way. Can you, you just talk to us a little bit about like your mentorship program and just like your classes and stuff? Absolutely. So when you come to my classes, I will look at you as you from the experience that you had. And I won't look at someone and go, okay, you all have to be at the same level when you leave because you all were at a different level when you arrived. And 
there will be women in each of my classes who have just come through something really rough, either a passing of a parent, a passing of a friend, a divorce. Maybe their marriage isn't going well. They're not doing well with their kids. Maybe they're just in general, don't feel like they're allowed to be in the lash industry because they're so new. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding when I teach is that you have to treat the whole person. I can't just hand you tweezers and say, go ahead and isolate because you may have been told just before you came to this class by a mother and this has happened. You're not going to do very well. Oh my gosh. And this is this, you can ask teachers if they're really willing to look at the person as a unique individual, they've got a story that they're bringing into the class, whether they will succeed or they won't succeed way Mm -hmm. before you even got to say hello. And so you'll come into my class and, and you'll be treated as an individual because I, I see you in a much more holistic way than, I, than we're allowing each other to be seen. Mm-hmm. As for mentorship, I'm very good at connecting the dots because I look at things as a holistic perspective. So maybe, maybe you're not making that much money. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. How much help are you getting at home right now? Oh, well, mm. I take the kids to school and I, and I have to pick them up and then I have to do all my scheduling and I have to blah, 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 blah. I mean, everyone has the to-do list they can fill in those blanks with. So the question mm-hmm. is, where can we get you some support that doesn't cost you a lot of money so that you can actually start to put some of your energy back into loving your clients, promoting your clients, seeing your clients as who they really are. And they are women who want to feel beautiful because something in their life is calling them to that. Right. And You know, I love Tara Walsh because she really has such stage and sound advice. She knows, go get yourself some help with social media, delegate, delegate, delegate. Absolutely. I totally Mm -hmm. go for that. Where I specialize is why are you not willing to delegate? What's, Mm -hmm. what's stuck right there that's saying, I don't trust people to delegate. Were you burned? Did you not have really great boundaries? Did you not say what you needed so the other person could give you what you needed? Right. And yeah, it's a little bit of lash therapy from lash artist to lash artist, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but my that's awesome. My mentorship comes from being in this industry since 2003. So what, 16 years? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm only 34, but there are very few people who've seen more than I have in the lash industry, mm-hmm. and it's worth checking out. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll make sure to link all of the links to like your classes and your mentorship program too in the show notes for everyone to check out. And you also have your own line of lashes. I'm sure everyone listening already knows that, but when did you start that and what makes it unique? Uh, Our tagline is made by a lash artist for a lash artist. Mm, And when I started my lash line, I had Selena with me and I didn't want to actually do a lash line. Uh, I'll be really clear. I did not want to do a lash line. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. so much that I didn't think I could. It was dealing with the customer service side of it, the logistics of shipping manufacturers. I mean, it's a whole other language to create your own lash line. And what I wanted was a lash artist who could look at our products and go, okay, I know exactly what size, curl and length and diameter, you know, this is. We started with a color coding system at first, but we really just decided like, let's have all of the information listed on every strip. And that started with just the mm-hmm. trays themselves. I remember back in the early days when Blink was the only option we had and we would fill up our trays of lashes. And then we, at the end of the day, it was like, wait, what number is this? And we had no idea. So we were wasting so much product. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So I didn't want that for lash artists, especially those who are just getting into it on a budget, needing to really be able to use all of their product to turn profit to buy more product. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to create tweezers for lots of hand types. In 2016, I did a live on, not a live, I spoke at Lash Bash in Australia. And I wanted to solve a problem where I was reading this all the time in the, on the forums. What's the best volume tweezer? And I just thought that's not a fair question because yeah. my hands are more strong, more muscular than say my sister's hands who she has very long fingers. They're like piano hands they are beautiful hands. But if I were to hand her the tweezers that work for me in volume, she wouldn't be able to close them because my hands are stronger. I need a little more resistance, but mm-hmm. her hands are more petite. She needs that really soft, fine, longer tweezer, maybe like an S curve tweezer where she doesn't have to work so hard to close them. But the thing with that is I, when I use an S curve tweezer, I pinch the shit out of the fans and mm-hmm. it's too much pressure. So again, I guess my motto is looking at things as a holistic thing and as an individual. So There is no what's the best volume tweezer because your hand type will never be one that's fit into a box and one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing with glue. I hate that question when I see it on forums. What's the best glue? It's like, "Mm, okay, so all the brand ambassadors can just quickly jump off because I even had brand ambassadors for a while. And what I found that I loved my brand ambassadors. So any of you listening out there, please know that I love you. But what I was noticing is that the engagement wasn't authentic. It was purely one-sided here. I'm recommending this glue. I'm going to get a discount for recommending it. And you take all of the risk instead of asking a more appropriate question, which would be what's your temperature and what's your humidity that then we can get you some, uh, a glue that you're really going to like. And another Mm -hmm. question I would ask is, do you have airflow in your room? Because there is a difference in a room that has the right temperature and humidity, but doesn't have a window versus one that is an open space, right temperature, humidity, but a lot of airflow. So there's a difference. Right. But I think we need to be more intelligent in our engaging with each other. And that's why we started putting the temperature and humidity on our website that it needed to have and the storage and how long it would last. Back in the day, no one was putting that on the website. Mm-hmm. And So I really wanted to just customize the experience for the lash artists so that it could have, they could have success because if they're successful, I was successful and everyone wins. And the last thing that I really wanted on our product, well, the first thing and the last thing was our logo, our bow. I've, I've told the story a few times, but essentially the bow logo is to remind you that you have these unique gifts that you're providing for people that you're the reason your clients are choosing to come to you. They get a quality service. They feel safe. They love their interaction with you. They love your space. And that's why they keep coming to you. It's not just the products you use. It's not just the location. It's the you in your business. Mm-hmm. And if you're authentically bringing that out, if you're truly brave enough to show that part of you, you're going to be so much more successful. Yeah. I love that. So The two questions that I tend to ask, like every guest, one of the biggest ones, it's, I really love hearing everyone's answer. So I'm really curious to hear yours. It's just like, what is your, what is a time in your life that you were sure that you had failed? 
but you look back now and you're grateful for it. Okay. This is a lighter one, but my first order of lashes when I very first started doing lashes was like 2006 or seven. Mm-hmm. And I ordered the lashes thinking, okay, we're gonna get this started. There were no other businesses except I think two in Utah. And then I didn't know of any others except the big name brands like extreme lavish. So there, it didn't seem like there were a lot of other brands out there. Mm-hmm. And I ordered my lashes and they all came in and they were beautiful. I mean, there's something really exciting about seeing that first box of lashes and you're like, okay, we're underway. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. And I put them aside so that I could get my website finished. And when I came Mm -hmm. back to them, they were all straight, completely bone straight. Yeah. And I just went, are you actually kidding me? Like, I didn't know that that could happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, that really scared me away from wanting to order product because it was like, I don't even know what questions to ask. I have failed. Like, I don't even have anyone I can ask what questions to ask. And so I did not. That's why I didn't want to do a product line because of that one instance. I knew I had failed and mm-hmm. I had not yet released the product. So I was grateful for that. But can you imagine had I released the product? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you would have already just been dead in the water. Like it, I wouldn't have even been able to share what I know. So right. what it caused me to do is really investigate how are lashes made? What kinds of questions do I need to be asking you? And I went through a lot of manufacturers before I got a product that would hold up to the tests that I was doing to them, like heat tests, like sun tests, like and, and heat tests, I mean, like put them in the car and let them sit there for a day or two and see if the thermal strip gets tacky or if the curl relaxes mm-hmm. and lashes are created by heat. So they need to be able to withstand heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so it, yes, I'm very grateful that that happened. And I'm so grateful that I didn't start selling them right away because I just can't even imagine what would have happened. Well, how different life would have been. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like people would have like eaten you alive. I'm sure. Like for sure. Wow. Well, the other one is just like, do you have a motto? I recreate that a lot. And because Mm -hmm. I feel like as a human being, I'm growing all the time. But lately Mm -hmm. my motto has been no matter what I'm happy, no matter Mm -hmm. what I'm happy, because I don't like having the rest of the world or some external thing decide what is going to be me. So it's something I've decided to adopt in my 30s, no matter what, I'm happy. Love that. Thank you. Cool. Well, is there anything else that you feel like you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? I think that just know that in the industry, I I see this all the time where women are just afraid to be themselves in the industry. You Mm -hmm. know, they've got to have the right look or the right style and or the right branding. And it, it, it will come. It will come. And that this is a work in progress. This lash life is a work in progress. And yes, if something does happen and it does feel like you failed, there is a huge gift in it and look for the gift really quickly. And just don't be afraid to be your unique self because that's really what makes you stand out in the industry. And I think if I would have learned that early on and had not held on to that as quickly as I did, I, I don't think I'd still be here. I really don't. I think you posted something the other day about like your own individual pace and not like rushing. Mm, the snail. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I'm going at my own pace and that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's 
I love that. There's so much business out there. I mean, even at the bottom of a recession, if women are coming out to get their lashes done, there's enough business for you. You never know what's going to happen by being kind to people and, and talking about yourself. Don't be afraid to say, I'm good at this. If you know anyone who might like lashes, let me know. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You're not being stuck up. You're not full of yourself. You are being that confident woman that you're allowed to be. That is part of being a queen. So that's what I would say. All right. Well, that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. And any relevant links to training product or mentorship of My Brand Lashes will be in the show notes. I hope that you guys have a great rest of your week and I'll be back very soon with the next episode. 